This is the Iowa State Athletics Sidecast. This Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors with the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's Sidecast is a visit with Joan Gerhardt. Mike Green, director of the Letter Winners Club, caught up with Gerhardt, who started the Iowa State women's golf program from scratch in 1970, building it into a consistent winner. She led the Cyclones to 23 tournament titles, and in September, Joan will be inducted into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. This sidecast is provided to you by the Iowa State Letter Winners Club, bridging the gap between legend and legacy by engaging in our past to invest in our future. We hope you'll enjoy this visit with Joan Gerhardt. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest SciCast. And we have a very special guest today, and Joan Gerhardt. And Joan will be inducted into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame in September. Joan was the first women's golf coach in Iowa State's history and had a wonderful career from 1970 to 1982. Iowa State women's golf was a Midwestern power when she was here, winning numerous tournaments. And Joan will be a Hall of Famer in September, and we're so glad you're going to have a chance to join us today on our podcast podcast, Joan. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. You asked me what my reaction was when you called and told me that I was inducted. I was just overwhelmed and, and lost words. I don't even know. I, I had tears in my eyes. I don't even remember exactly what I said, but it was a big honor. I thought only coaches and big sports and administrators got that kind of honor, certainly not a woman's golf coach. This is obviously one of the biggest highlights of my life, so I, I thank you from my deepest my heart from, for this great award. Well, Thanks, Joan. You're very deserving. And, you know, let's just kind of start from the beginning. Um, you know, how did you get interested in golf? Well, most people start as a child, and I didn't have that opportunity. I started when I was a sophomore in high school. My dad thought that he was learning to play golf, and that would be an activity that we could do together. And at that time, there happened to be a person in our golf course who said he could help me learn the basics. Well, then we began to play more golf, and I seemed to get better, and I liked it a lot. So my dad researched it and found that there was a professional at the Sioux City Boat Club who would give me golf lessons. And I don't remember how frequently I took the lessons, but I went there for a lot of lessons and I got better and better. The only difficulty I had was our golf course was um, such a small town that we only had sand greens. And I'm sure most people don't, you probably don't know what sand greens are, but they're not grass. They're made out of sand and they're oiled. And you had to take a big roller and roll the roller from the cup to the ball to smooth out the footprints and then you put it down this path. So obviously when I went to other schools to play golf, I was at a big advantage because never having practiced or played on grass greens, it was difficult to make that adjustment. But um, it, it helped having taken the lessons at the bowl club, so I did get a chance to practice on the grass greens. Then as time passed and I seemed to get better, this is kind of funny, the superintendent of the high school asked my dad if I would like to form a girls golf team for a school, because they didn't want me on the boys team. And when I was asked, I said, yes, I'd love to be on the girls team. He said, well, you are the team. <laughs> so I became the team. And and I remember playing my first sectional tournament at Paulina, Iowa, and unfortunately I had the highest score, which was 112. 
I can remember that to this day. Yeah. Believe it or not, I was humiliated, mortified, and I vowed that I'd win that tournament before I graduated. Obviously, that did happen. It was a great motivator. My junior year, I was second, and then the next year, my senior year, I did win the sectional tournament. Some things like that stick in your mind that I remember the score, and I know that senior year, I had a score of 80, and I had 40 putts. So, obviously, the gas greens were very difficult for yeah. me to adjust to after my sand greens. But um, I, I was the team. Went to high school. That's where I went to school. The golf team was Jones Golf Team. Well, and you obviously had a really good amateur career. But early on, you made a decision to join the LPGA. And at that time, there probably wasn't a lot of members of the LPGA. What made you decide to turn pro right away? After I graduated from college, I had a teaching degree in physical education. And I wanted to find a physical education job that would allow me to start a girls golf team. And that school happened to be Audubon, Iowa. I taught there for two years and I had a golf team, started a golf team. And my second year, which was my second year there, my team played runner-up in the state high school golf tournament behind West Des Moines, who had always won the tournament. So we were thrilled. Then after teaching at Audubon, I decided that I wanted to go to graduate school so that I could then teach and coach at the college level. Throughout house high school, this is what you're asking me, I, in college I played a lot of amateur golf in the summer. And my best finish, I was lucky enough to be fourth in the Iowa Women's Amateur. Probably if I'd known the rules better, I might have finished higher up than that because I had a rules infraction that caused me to be fourth. After teaching in Audubon, I was no longer eligible to play in amateur tournaments. At that time, the USGA ruled that teaching or coaching golf for remuneration was a loss of amateur status. is isn't anymore, but it was then. I knew I couldn't play golf for a living, so the other alternative was to join the LPGA. Gotcha. And become, and become the best teacher I could. Thus, I applied for membership in the LPJ, was accepted. Because of my playing credentials, I did not have to pass a playing ability test. But in order to become an apprentice in the LPJ, you had to go through an internship, which I obviously did. But because I had lost my amateur status, I had no choice. Since I couldn't play amateur golf, I joined the LPJ. Gotcha. And I don't regret it to this day. I think I've been a member the last time I had to, at least 50 years, so it means I'm really getting old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've had a wonderful career, Joan. And, you know, in 1970, you were contacted to become the first women's golf coach in Iowa State history. Tell us about how that all went down. When I'd taken lessons for several years at the Bow Club, that helped me with my playing ability. And so I knew a lot of students from around the state of Iowa. I played with them, I coached against them. And when I then became the coach at Iowa State, I put an article in the school paper and asked that anyone interested in joining a women's golf program to meet in the physical education building on a certain night. And believe it or not, I think I had 20 or 25 girls respond to that. I was overwhelmed. So consequently, there was a lot of interest. And eventually I had to do a qualifying to cut my team from 20 to 25 down to a workable size. But there was just tons of interest. And Iowa had a wonderful summer program for high school girls, for young girls. It was run by four or five women. And they had summer programs for all over the state, monthly or weekly. 
I played in some of them myself, and some of them were overnights where the women would find housing for us. I stayed one night at Humboldt and played in the tournament, and it was just fantastic experience for all of us. So growing up in Iowa, we had exposure to golf, and this is what the LPGA now on TV this weekend is pushing, junior golf for women. And we were lucky in the state of Iowa to be ahead of the program. I mean, we had women that were starting this back 50 years ago. So I had a wonderful amateur career because of this. And the students that I got at Iowa State also benefited from this. So when I got them, they had played golf and they knew some basics. So it was up to me just to work with them and try to refine it. None of them had really professional help, but it it gave me a a wonderful beginning to have girls that had played golf. From then on, it was fun and games from where we started. Today's sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. We had talked earlier, Joan, about how much Dr. Barbara Porker was a huge influence in your career. Tell us what it was like to have such a strong leader in the women's ski department that actually really cared about your program and really helping you succeed. Well, let me tell you about how this job happened and, and how I was offered the position at Iowa State. I, after having gone to graduate school, I finished in the winter and I had a few months to try to figure out what to do and to look for a position. So, and my parents spent the winter in Texas and I thought, well, this will be good. I can play golf. And on the way driving down here, I thought, well, I guess I'll call and see if I can interview at the University of Texas. I had an interview and they clearly did not want to start a women's golf team. They did not want to take the money away from the men's golf program. And that was that. I thought, boy, this will be wonderful. The weather would be terrific. Everything would be great. I'll talk about some other things when we get to Dr. Forker, but about my Texas experience. Then after getting to Texas, I'd spent a lot of time at Arizona State, and I'd interviewed for a job at Mountain Shadows as an apprentice. Again, difficult as a woman to get a teaching job and while I was there I interviewed for a coaching job at Arizona State and also the same reaction they did not want to take money away from the men's program so I went back to Texas worked on my golf game while I was there I got a phone call from Dr. Barbara Forker believe it or not asking me if I would be interested in starting a women's golf program at Iowa State I was about blown away after having been to these southern schools and they didn't want to start a golf program but somebody up in the north of Iowa wanted this girls golf program. Wow, I said, yeah, I really would be interested and when I got back home, I'd come in and interview, which I did and I was just thrilled. Showed me the facilities, that was the old PE building. I'd have a gym and the outside facilities across the street to hit balls and I would have the opportunity to have an assistant instructor have a full-time teaching load and she would ask me in addition to that she would like me to start a golf team and then because she wanted me to have a golf team she offered me $50 to coach the golf team and I had the opportunity to drive my own car and everybody could pay their own expenses so that was the start of my career at Iowa State and I don't regret a minute of it but Dr. Forker was way ahead of her time. And you kind of touched on this, Joan, obviously the very limited resources and budget in those early days, but your early teams in Iowa State were very successful. What was life like in the early 1970s, coaching women's golf at Iowa State? As I said, I was really lucky to have girls that had played golf 
in high school. So that that was really helpful. When we started our competition, our competition, we didn't have any money, and our competition was within the state, and usually it was just with one other school. We remember the U and I, Briarcliff, and Sioux City, and we called them meets. They weren't tournaments because they're only 18 hole events, and they were one day. So after playing golf, we drove home. And I should add that our transportation again was in Joan's car. I'm not sure how we all squeezed in with her. <laughs> But we did, and the girls brought their sack lunches, and that's what they had for food as we had no money. But since some of our meets were in Iowa, we hoped that parents that would be close would attend the meet and buy us supper. I remember my parents were there a lot, and we were very grateful for the food that was provided for us. One time, we did attend a whole two-day tournament at Illinois State University. This has probably got most of my mind because they had a guest speaker there because this was the first they'd had a two-day golf tournament. And guess who was the guest speaker was Patty Berg. And my girls were just stunned uh, that they were meeting Patty Berg. And she gave a clinic. And the thing that stands out in my mind, they thought was so great. She was teaching them how to hit a slice. And she said, if you want to hit a slice, you turn your visor to the right. And if you want to hit it to the left, you turn your visor to the <laughs> left. If you want to hit the shot low, you turn your visor backwards. And if you want to hit a high shot over a tree, you turn the visor, put it in the front and tip it backwards. My golf team thought that was the neatest thing. And I suppose some of them did try it. But that was a highlight of that tournament was having Patty Berg, who in those days was one of the founders of sure. the LPGA. Since that was a two-day tournament, that required us staying in a motel. And I don't remember how we paid for it. I guess maybe I did. Some of these things are a little foggy, but I know all the girls stayed in one room, one motel room, and we didn't have uniforms at that time. But later I did find a place in Ames that I bought us gold jackets and they put the old fashioned side on and the imprint, I don't know if it said Iowa State golf team or just Iowa State, but each girl bought their own jacket and that was our uniform for the year. And to raise money for golf balls for the team, we had golf ball raffles. And this allowed each girl then to have one ball for the tournament or for the meet. So if you were unfortunate to lose a ball on the first hole, you were out of luck and you had to use your own golf ball to get run out. And I'd be glad to tell you who that person is because you know her personally, but she said not to mention her name. <laughs> Eventually, we were able to travel in a school van. Wait to hear this. Now, we did travel outside the state of Iowa. This was probably my second year. And one person would be my navigator in the van. These are those big white school vans. However, Joan, from time to time, either didn't listen to my navigator or thought she knew better, but I did get lost at times. So my team took it upon themselves to invent a marvelous device to help me with directions. It was made out of cardboard and had a spinner on it. And when Joan got lost, they would stop me and turn the spinner and decide what the directions said. The spinner would say, turn right turn left, stop and turn around, or stop and ask for, for directions. Okay. And they thought this was really pretty cool. I mean, what else could we do? We were lost, so they thought that was terrific, and I was really impressed with my spinner. And when Diane Thomason introduced me for my induction into the Golf Coaches Hall of Fame, Diane had just been down here to visit me in Texas, and of course she was roasting me before my induction. She told everybody there that I was still using my spinner because I got lost yeah. a lot. So I appreciated that immensely. Let's talk about Dr. Forker for a minute. She obviously provided all the 
control over the women's athletics. She headed the department and was completely in charge of all our funding. And we did begin to get money from GSB, so we, I don't know how much we got, but the majority of our funding came from the physical education department, which Dr. Porker provided for us. In the later years, because of the success of my golf team, we were rewarded with bigger budgets. And I hate to say that our budget was bigger than the men's team. In fact, we had enough money in later years to fly in the Iowa State Plains because of the extension service, and we flew to some of our big tournaments. We yep. were pretty cool because our pilot was with us. We thought we were cats meow. And this would be a time to talk about what Dr. Forker provided my golf team. I don't know that you ever saw the old facilities there, but that new building, which was an add-on to the old physical education department, when that new physical education building the Dr. Forker building. I was there when that was built. She gave me the privilege to have input into one of the gyms to make it available to teach golf classes. It had a tartan floor. It had nets that went from floor to the ceiling, and they would pull from the sides and meet in the middle. And we had astroturf mats. We had putting mats. So I could teach all my golf team classes inside in the winter and the spring to start with. My golf team spent the winter in there hitting full hard golf balls in there and it was for a northern school we had unbelievable at that time place to practice and yep. we had audiovisual equipment so we could film their swings and honest to guys dr forker loved golf and i am forever indebted to her for my unbelievable experience there at iowa state she gave everything to my golf team that she had she loved golf and we had the best for quality, comfortable, and authentic styles on Cyclone Game Days and Every Day, insist on authentic brand sportswear, the premium alternative gear of choice in the Midwest and across the nation. Choose authentic brand for your game day styles. Joan, early in your career, and actually throughout most of your career, you hosted a lot of tournaments at Vinker Memorial Golf Course. And a little cyclone quick fact is that the legendary Nancy Lopez, who was playing golf at Tulsa, competed in her first ever college golf tournament at Vinker. You've gotten to know Nancy through the years and, and have you know, remained friends with her. Tell us about your relationship with Nancy Lopez. At that time, I'd had several tournaments, but I think this was Tulsa's first out-of-town tournament or their first tournament, and Nancy happened to be a freshman, and she was playing in her first college tournament at Iowa State that we hosted. She, at that time, played so well, she broke all course records, and I cut out all the articles out of the paper and sent it to the Tulsa coach so she could give to Nancy. And I remembered my first experience back in high school, how poorly I did, and then how, how good I did. I'm sure anybody that at her level still remembers the first time you played golf at a certain tournament. Rinker, for these girls, had no clue how difficult it was. I think some of them even ran out of golf balls at that time. But I was always a USGA official at, at the, most of the golf tournaments, and we competed against Tulsa quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I would see Nancy from time to time and, and talk about her game. And then after I left Iowa State, my connection with her would be at the LPJ seminars and other events. And to my surprise, she always remembered me. I'd be at a tournament. She'd be a spectator. Sometimes I'm not sure she could just put my name on the tip of her tongue, but she remembered Iowa State. She remembered her first tournament, and we'd uh, hug and, and But I wanted to say one thing about Nancy Lopez. She did what 
Tiger did for the men's game, and we owe her a wonderful thank you for everything she's done for women's golf. Yeah, she's there's no doubt about that. It is what it is today for these women. The purses are higher, but she was a great role model for these girls today. We, we can't thank her enough. Pretty much all of the women coaches back then coaching women's sports, they were also teachers, just like yourself. You were a professor on campus and had to had to mix those duties of actually being a teacher <laughs> and also being a coach. Tell us what that how tough that was and then there's that there's that great story you tell how your team qualified for the AIW national tournament and you couldn't go with them because you had to teach class and then you had to meet them later <laughs> oh man I accepted the position at Iowa State I was expected to teach the physical education classes when I started coaching I still had a full-time teaching position so my golf team qualified for the regional golf tournament I couldn't drive them up there because my first obligation was to teach my classes so I then I had to find a person to drive my team to the regional tournament in Minneapolis I drove up after my classes on that Friday to my surprise my team had already finished playing and they were in first place it, it was just unbelievable that I had a really talented team I had all these first-year girls from Iowa that had played golf and they loved the game they loved having the opportunity to play golf they didn't play for my they didn't play for anything but the love of the sport. They liked each other. They worked together. That first team is still hung together, and I can't talk more about how much fun it was to work with them. We had some really crazy experiences. Yeah, yeah. But I, I want to talk about one of the times when I had to cover my classes, and I coached Thursday through and I came home on Sunday, so that meant I had to have classes covered three days a week, and they got difficult after a while begging people to, to cover my classes. But I can remember one time I asked Dr. Jackie Poole, who was head of the kinesiology department, and she did play golf, so she said she she would take my class. And when I returned, she was kind enough to come into my office and tell me that she never would substitute for me again because it turned out it happened to be a rainy day and she got stuck in the hallway with my class answering questions about the rules. <laughs> it was due to that experience with Dr. Poole saying that she would never take my class that prompted her to come into my office and she said, I have an idea. Let's produce an audio-visual aid on the rules of golf. Well, I had a lot of experience working and taking clinics on the rules of golf, but I never thought about doing an audio-visual aid. Well, the audio-visual aid was an idea because Dr. Poole had used the format for her dissertation and she said she would help me with the format and we would use my golf experience and my rules experience. So we submitted a proposal to the research mm -hmm. foundation and we're lucky enough to receive a grant that paid for and funded this whole audiovisual aid. And believe it or not, the USGA found out about it and took it, sold it with all their other USGA publications all over the country. And then Iowa State sold it all over the United States. And these slides were even sold internationally to such places as Japan, Australia, and so forth. Oh, that's neat. I benefited from these rule slides because they resulted in me having a publication, and that awarded me and granted me rank and tenure. So that worked as a publication. So as just all this happened, all I got the benefit of this rank and tenure, and even my hometown and small towns received. Iowa State sent out little brochures saying would they like a set of these slides. They were 
on um, 35 millimeter slides and it was a soft talk thing you could it was a question answer approach what would you do if your ball went out of bounds the next slide said it's a stroke and distance penalty so it was really a neat teaching device and i don't know how many clinics i gave all over the state using those slides and they could be used by the women's league all by themselves because you could set it up and the women could watch the slides so that was quite a feather in my cap but i owe jackie dr Poole for giving me the idea to do that on football Saturdays, our John Deere run of the game is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Nothing runs like a deer, especially when supported by the team at Van Wall Equipment, the Cyclones' John Deere dealer of choice. You won 23 tournaments in your outstanding coaching career, and obviously you coached so many golfers here at Iowa State. How often do you stay in contact with your former players? That's a hard question to answer. Once I moved to Texas, kind of out of the loop, it was hard to maintain contact. I yeah. still have two really close contacts that stayed at Iowa State and talked there, and I'm in constant contact with them. And back in 2017, the Solheim Cup was in Des Moines. That's when the United States women played the Europe golf team, and I came back for that, and several of them were there, and that was mostly my first golf team. Okay. And we had a real get-together then, but I understand that works are trying to get more people to come back for this induction, but I had girls on my golf team that I'd had in my Ottoman High School golf team. And I went back to find names of them, and I had them in my Christmas card list. And once I moved down here, my address kind of got lost. So I lost, having made that move to Texas, I kind of lost contact with a lot of them, and I feel badly about it. But maybe we can all get together again. I think there's going to be a lot of former players coming back, Joan, and that's what's going to make this Hall of Fame even more special. In 1996, you were inducted into the National Women's Golf Coaches Hall of Fame, and you mentored countless players who have actually gone on to successful playing careers, coaching careers, you know, in the field of golf. Two of your former players that I Iowa State, Julie Manning and Diane Thomason, who both went on to be head coaches. Julie Manning was the head coach at Iowa State. Diane Thomason was the head coach at Iowa. How proud does that make you feel that you've had players that have gone on to be successful in the golfing industry? I'm extremely proud of them, and Julie was my manager at the clubhouse when I was a head pro at Vinker, and we got along so well. That was really fun, and then I was glad to see that she took my job after Dana did, and Diane Thomason and I remained really close. We'd go a lot of LPGA every year we had to go to a tournament and educational to get so many credits to renew our LPGA so we stayed in a lot of contact yeah. but I'm really I'm proud Diana toughed it out when I really owe both Julie and Diane for nominating me for the National Golf Coaches Hall of Fame was because of them that I got nominated Diane introduced me or I guess roasted me really <laughs> and that's when uh, she talked about my spinner yeah. But um, I'm really close to both of them. I'm not, not as much with Julie because she's changed a couple different positions. But Diane and I talked not long ago, and um, I, I really don't think of myself as a mentor. You know, I, I had a couple other LPGA girls I want to mention that did go on that I know of because I've seen them at LPGA events. That was Christy Vick and Carol Pence. Up until lately, I was always at national seminars, and as I got older, I didn't was not a clinician. I'm usually a, used to be a clinician all the time in a national seminar, but finally they told me that I could be released of that obligation. But I need to mention two of my mentors in my life, and one was Ann Casey Johnstone from Mason City, and she is in the Iowa Hall of Fame. And the other 
mentor that I had was Shirley Spork, and she's one of the 13 founders of the LPGA. Two fabulous mentors and leaders in women's golf. Gosh, I was lucky. In my teaching and coaching, I never thought of myself as being a mentor. I was just passing on what great knowledge I learned from these legends. And I need to give Ann Casey Johnstone credit because she's the one that recommended me for my position at Iowa State. I don't know whether she called. She knew I'd finished my educational work for my LPGA passed my apprentice test and I don't know if she knew I was looking for a job whether she called Dr. Forker I guess maybe that's probably how that happened but nobody ever told me but I'm forever grateful because shortly after is when Dr. Forker called me to yeah. offer me the job. And for people uh, out there Ann, Ann Casey Johnson was probably you could argue was one of the greatest women's golfers to hail from the state of Iowa who had a fantastic career. She was on a number of Curtis Cups and oh, yes. just one of the greatest players to ever come out of the state. Because of Ann Johnson Johnstone, and I needed to say when I met Shirley Spoke at Texas Women's University, I attended a summer golf workshop, and that was back in 1967, believe it or not. And from then on, Shirley and I had developed quite a apprenticeship, and she was a consultant for the National Golf Foundation. She was a consultant for the western half, and Elaine Abbott was a consultant for the eastern half. So whenever Shirley was in my Midwest area, I made sure that I attended one of her seminars, and I would help her set up. And she had a lot of teaching aids and films, and she'd always send me home. She said, I don't want to take these films home because they're the old real type. She'd send them home with me, and I, Iowa State had a great film library because every time I went, Shirley would send films home with me. But I owe both of them because both of them helped me get into the National Golf Foundation. And I know a person by the name of Ken Green that was also a consultant for the National Golf Foundation, and he and I gave clinics all over the Midwest. And for those that are listening, Ken Green happens to be your father. Yeah, so, that was a fun time for my dad, and he tells stories about how much he loved going on those trips with you and you know what a joy it was to actually teach the game to others. Yes, and we were teaching to high school coaches, yeah. local pros that had never had any formal education, and we were trying to really expand better knowledge for these educators. We were taken to Miami University in Ohio and spent two weeks with the greatest teachers in the country. And we were so lucky to be able to pass that on to all these other people in the Midwest. Yeah. That was one of my highlights, and I'm sure your dad would say the same thing. Yeah. No doubt, Joan, obviously you've, you've pretty much have touched on this because of your incredible career in golf. You have remained in the golf business to this day um, as an instructor, you know, leader, innovator. I mean, try to sum up how special the game of golf is for you. Oh, it's, it's everything to me. I hate to say this, but I've taught golf for almost 60 years. Yeah. Uh, I played golf for at least 60 years, taught golf for I don't know how many years, and I just love teaching. Honest, I played in a lot of couples tournaments. They let me, even though I'm a professional, because I'm in a retirement development, they know I'm not professional caliber anymore. <laughs> I can't hit the ball with the men. I used to play from the men's tees, but they let me play in couples events in their two-day tournaments. But golf has just been my whole life. I, honest, I love teaching, and it's hard for me to keep my mouth shut when I'm playing with people that really need help. I, I would never have left Iowa State, honest, if it had not been for a family emergency. I'd still be there today. And you know, I have people down here ask me, what's it like? I 
taught college-age people that that would be really fun. Well, a lot of those were teaching, taking the class because of the credits they had to. Some really, I hope, would go into their older years and play golf, but I'm finding teaching these older people a real thrill because it's giving them something to do in their retirement year. Sure, yeah. Um, I, I should go back and say that I have still worked at the high school level. I've volunteered and I've helped um, several high school students. I've coached a set of twins that have gone on to get a scholarship and both gone on and furthered their golf careers. And I've had a couple of boys on the golf team that I've worked with. I've also worked with two men on the University of Texas team that have gone into golf. One is an assistant at McKellen Country Club. I stay really close at connection with him and I also have with the high school sectional tournaments I'm always a US official I did that last spring for yeah. two days yeah so I'm trying to get back to the community and the high schools I did interview for a job at the University of Texas it was Pan American now it's the University of Rio Grande Valley and I wanted to teach the golf team there and I coached the golf team because at that time they had just somebody from the men's golf team teaching their classes. And um, they told me that they would hire me if I would take a full-time teaching position. I said, no, I just really wanted to coach and teach. Now, at I, when I was at Iowa State, we used to have people from the local community that were specialists in different areas. We hired these specialty people, and I thought I would be a candidate for that, and I would love to do that. But I didn't want a full-time teaching position. I still would have continued to do that. I love teaching. I think the most fun is when I have women that their husbands have always played golf, and they've had to sit home. Now they're learning to play golf, and they get to play couples, and they join the ladies' league. They thank me forever that they're not house widows anymore, <laughs> yeah. widows anymore. Yep. Well, Joan, thank you so much for sharing all these wonderful stories. I have one more question to ask you before we end this podcast. How excited are you to return to Ames in September for your Hall of Fame induction? I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm nervous as can be. <laughs> I really am humbled and honored by this induction into the Iowa State Hall of Fame. It is on the back of my mind constantly, and it's like a dream come true. I, I don't have any more words to say other than thank you on the bottom of my heart. Today's sidecast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn how to farm better, work smarter, and play harder when you run with Van Wall and John Deere. Thanks for listening.